Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, most Sundays, your special is, is my sermon. It's what feeds my soul uh, as I come into God's house. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible with you, the passage of Scripture we will be studying this morning should be printed in your bulletin. It will be Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. And so we can turn there uh, together. Once again, I want to thank uh, Chris for preaching last Sunday. I've heard wonderful reports about his message and... Uh, Big shoes to, to, to fill here and uh, uh, preach in his shadow, right? Uh, but hear God's word this morning. Speaking of Jesus, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, I look around our nation and even the state of Protestant evangelical churches today, Lord. It can be discouraging. So I ask you, Father, today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, use your word to help us to look up. Help us to leave here today amazed and astonished by who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have a new uh, president-elect, or do we? As you know, the election was this past week. And I'm here today not to focus on who you uh, casted your vote for on Tuesday or if you mailed in a ballot or mailed in several ballots, (laughs) Uh, whichever it is. I'm here for us to focus a moment upon our response to the election. What is your response to the election? I think some are celebrating while others are despairing. Some are consoling while votes are still being counted. I have friends that are mocking me for my faith and maybe how I voted. And I see others that are manic about where our country is headed. 
Here's what I see. I see chaos and division. And that concerns me. At times, it discourages me. How about you? And as I look around, not only is the nation divided, but I have seen the church divided. Maybe this even describes Barta ARP Church. But I have seen Christians literally arguing with one another about this election. On a variety of sides saying, I don't see how in the world you could be a professing Christian and vote for that man. That the same person look at their friend and say, I don't see how in the world you could be a professing Christian and vote for that man. And so as I look around, I see a nation and I see a church that is divided. And there's chaos. And as I came to this passage this week, I thought to myself, is there anything here? Is there anything here for you? Man, is there anything in here even just for me? That can encourage me. There is. I think today's sermon is as much a prayer than it is a message. And it's this, Lord Jesus, amaze me with your power once again. Lord Jesus, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, amaze me with your power once again. The focus of this passage is the the power of Christ's word. How timely this is because we live in a time in, a, in our nation's history where I don't know who you can believe anymore. Are the numbers correct in that the ones that have been counted, are they, can they be trusted at all? Who has the authority to even at, declare who the winner of the election is? Can we trust any authority? That's where we are as a nation. But is that where we have to be as a church? The answer is no. We can sit here today, we can leave here today amazed by Jesus' power. That is where I found myself this week with this passage. I found myself jealous of those that were there in the synagogue with Jesus in Capernaum on that, on that Sabbath. Two times in this passage it says that they were astonished or amazed at Jesus and what was happening. Look at verse 32. It says they were astonished at his teaching. And then verse 36, it said, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. 
How I hope and pray for you today and for me today that we can leave here today amazed once again by Jesus' power. Because if you've been like me, there have been moments throughout this year that I have wondered, God, where are you in all of this? In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, ele- in the midst of an election season that has been very divisive and a lot of dissension, even in the church. God, where are you in this? And God, what are you trying to accomplish? And what I hope we can leave this morning with is a word of encouragement from our Savior. As he says, listen. First and foremost, you need to know this. No one is beyond my authority. No one. Not even the devil himself. Now it's interesting what happens here in verse 31. Our Lord Jesus goes into the synagogue there at Capernaum, there around Galilee. He begins to teach. And the reason this should cause us to bite our fingernails just a little bit is because of the passage that Chris Tibbs preached last week. You see, last week Jesus went into the synagogue there in Nazareth and he opened up the scroll to the prophet Isaiah and he read some amazing prophecy statements there. And then Jesus sat down in their midst as was the custom and he said, today this has been fulfilled right here in your midst What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I am the Messiah that you've been looking for for so long. Jesus says, all of those prophecies are fulfilled in me, who I am and what I'm about to accomplish. They have no problem with Jesus' interpretation of the passage. They're excited about the fact that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, though they're somewhat confused because he is that simple carpenter's son. But as Jesus begins to apply what it means to be the Messiah, they get angry. They get very angry. Because Jesus tells them that he's come not only to save those who are Jews, but also those who are Gentiles. And so last week's message probably concluded the reading of that passage with the people in Nazareth getting very angry, ready to kill Jesus, but Jesus must have been covered in Crisco oil because he just slips out of their midst. And so now we come to this passage where Jesus once again goes into the synagogue, now in Capernaum, and he begins to teach, and we're kind of biting our fingernails about how they're going to respond, and how do they respond? They're amazed. They're astonished. Why? Because he teaches as one who has authority. He doesn't just stand up and and lecture. He doesn't just stand up and quote the rabbis like the other rabbis do, not ever claiming to have authority or the ability to be able to interpret God's word for himself. But rather, Jesus stands up and he says, this is what the word of the Lord says, and this is what it means, and this is what it means for you today. And everything's going so good. It's as if Jesus has words are like arrows that he pulls back in a bow and he aims and he hits people right where they need to be hit. And when you can hear the pin drop, that's when from the back of the crowd they hear. <laughs> What have you had to do with me, Jesus? What do we have in common? Have you come to destroy us? And in the midst of Jesus teaching in the synagogue, the demon interrupts Jesus' message. 
Why is this significant? Because of how Jesus responds. He immediately rebukes the demon. Although the demon has gotten Jesus' identity right, that he's the Holy One of God, that he's the Son of God, Jesus immediately rebukes him and silences him immediately. Why is that important? Because you need to know and I need to know that no one is beyond Jesus' authority. That's how powerful Jesus is. Jesus has the right to rule and reign over everyone and everything, and he does. He does. Last week, Jennifer, I had the privilege of being in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. I shared that with you earlier. So one of the privileges that I had is I was commissioned by our presbytery to go and uh, basically conduct and lead the ordination installation service of the pastor for that church. So I've assisted in ordination installation services in the past, but never was the one given the authority to say, okay, go be our representative. So that was, that was a great honor, great privilege. I appreciate you allowing us to go do that. Uh, so with that, I felt, you know, that I needed to, um, if, on the, the plane flights, be able to talk to people about Jesus. I felt burdened to do that. And so on the way out, I was able to have a couple of conversations with a couple different Johns as we skipped our way from Orlando to Houston, from Houston to Oklahoma. But last Sunday, around the time the kids were, you know, playing scatterball and eating some pizza or something, around that time, Jennifer and I began making our way back home to Bartow. And as we got on the plane, as my wife graciously does every time, she always allows me to have the middle seat. Yeah. So I get to rub shoulders and get to know the people beside me. And I was a little bit, I was a little bit tired. I thought, okay, Lord, if you, whoever you plot beside of me, I'm going to try to have a spiritual conversation with them. Um, because I feel like you've given me that, that calling. Well, I noticed that no one was sitting in the seat beside of me. So I thought, this is going to be a great flight. It's going to be a great flight. Just get to sleep. Not that talking about Jesus wouldn't be a great flight, but after you've had kind of a long weekend, I was looking forward to have some, some sleep. When suddenly this really happy tall guy begins bobbing down the center aisle of the airplane. His hair is, he's so tall and his hair is so large that his hair almost begins to rub the exit sign on the top of the airplane. And he is bobbing his head to his music and he's so happy. And I'm like, man, he's, He's feeling the Spirit. Well, suddenly I learned that he was feeling more than just, he wasn't the Holy Spirit he was feeling. He was feeling some spirits. Because as soon as he got into his seat, he began to make demands about how thirsty he was. And apparently in his mind, tequila was just going to hit the spot and quench his thirst. And so he immediately began asking the, the airline stewardess if, if she had any tequila shots on her. And she said, I have to say, unfortunately, No. And he said, well, why don't y'all have tequila shots on here? She said, because it would make crazy people like you a little bit more crazy. <laughs> but what I noticed from that flight is how amazingly that airline stewardess exercised her authority over him. Put your tray table up. Put your seat back into its position. We're getting ready to land. And then as we made our way from the plane that landed in Houston to the other plane that would take us from Houston back to Orlando, as I sat down in my, my seat, I thought to myself, oh, thank God I won't see that guy again. 
when suddenly he begins bobbing down the center of the aisle. But soon what I noticed was the same airline stewardess also walking down the aisle as she greeted him and said, Hey, remember me? What amazed me about that lady was how she was able to handle the situation with her friendliness and her congeniality. Friends, Jesus isn't always so friendly when he has to exercise his power. But Jesus, don't be mistaken, has authority over everyone and everything. And friends, I know you may feel as if this world is getting more progressively evil. I want you to take comfort today that our Lord Jesus has the power. He has the authority. And for some of us today, perhaps what we need to know is that Jesus has the authority in our life to silence Satan in our lives. Because many of us today sit in this congregation, in this sanctuary, and Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He will come to you, he will come to me, and he will bring up things we've done in the past. He will bring up things that we've said in the past. He will bring up things that we've thought in the past. As if to disable us from our service in Christ's kingdom. And I want you to know that our Lord Jesus, as our great mediator, our great advocate, comes today in the face of Satan, and he rebukes him. And he silences the accuser on your behalf. And he looks at Satan in the eye, and he says, I was crushed for their iniquities. I was pierced for her transgressions. Their chastisement was brought upon me so that I might bring peace with them and God the Father. I've paid the ransom for their soul. And so friends, today, I want you to leave here today amazed by the power of your Savior because he has the power to silence Satan in the moment that he accuses you of who you are and what you've done. No, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've been declared righteous in God's eyes because of Christ. That now when God the Father looks at you, he no longer sees you clothed in your sin, but he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so today, friends, today, brothers and sisters, I want you to leave here amazed, freshly amazed by the power of Jesus Christ because he has the authority to say your sins are forgiven. And he has the authority to silence the accuser. The second last way we should be encouraged today is that we see Jesus' power and his ability. So today our Lord Jesus looks at us and he says, listen, no one is beyond my ability to reach them. Look at verses 35 and following. Notice it says, but Jesus rebuked the demon, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. Now, I find this passage humorous. 
Can you imagine if this happened in the middle of Bartow ARP Church on a Sunday morning? <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be something to talk about at lunch? Well, how did it go today? Well, Pastor Tanner was preaching an okay sermon when suddenly out of the back, back and uh, somebody started heckling him. And he told the guy, rebuked him, and suddenly the guy flapped on the, just landed on the floor and started flopping and flipping around like a fish out of water. Can you imagine what was going through their mind that day? They're like, I heard about what happened in Nazareth. This is even ridic- more ridiculous than that. But what happens? In two commands, Jesus tells the demon, be silent. Proving his ability to silence Satan. By the way, what's interesting about that word It's the same word that Jesus uses when he silences the storm that's raging on the Sea of Galilee. You remember that that account in the gospel where Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat and the disciples are afraid that they're going to lose their life. And so they wake Jesus up from from his afternoon nap. Jesus comes up to the top of the boat and Jesus says the same thing there that he says here, which is basically, be muzzled. As if the dog was barking, he grabs it by the snout and says, be muzzled. Quiet, hush. That's exactly what Jesus does to that demon that day, proving his ability to silence the accuser, to overcome Satan. And then he says simply, come out. I think this is important for us to see as Christians. I think far too often we paint Jesus as a wimp in some of the pictures and stuff that we see in Sunday school and in the church. Or we've got this perception about people that are walking with the, with, the, with the Lord that they're weak and that they're frail. It's far from the case. When we look at Jesus as the Holy One of God, we don't see Jesus terrified that the demon might pollute him. As if Jesus' holiness was a little faint flame that was flickering and could be easily extinguished. But rather what we see is that Jesus being in the presence of the demon causes the demon to shiver and shake in his shorts. And When Jesus says come out of him, the guy flops on the floor like a fish out of water. But Luke accounts for us like the great physician does. Amazingly, Jesus heals this man, exercises the demon without the man being harmed whatsoever. What's the point? Be amazed at Jesus' power. Be amazed at his ability that no one or nothing is beyond his reach. And notice Jesus doesn't even really have to do anything. All he has to do is just say the word. As he's done in the past, so he's done now. At creation when he said, let there be light, and there was light. As he said to Pharaoh, let my people go, and he let them go. As the promise was made to to Mary that you, you, you could see when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so it was so. And now we see the power of Jesus' word once again to say, be silent, come out. And the man is freed. The man is freed. During our time of quarantine, I had the privilege of uh, going to one of our younger members' houses uh, during the time of quarantine. 
uh, they closed down the gym where I go, and this, this young man has a home gym, and he allowed me so graciously to work out with him. As you know, when we first entered in this, this whole quarantine, it was, everybody was very cautious about who are we going to let into our bubble. And so I don't know if he just felt guilty that he had to allow the pastor into his bubble, but I was gracious and grateful that he allowed me in his bubble. And so we would go early in the morning, to, uh, I would go early to his, uh, in the morning to his house, and we would work out, I think even before his family would, would awake. And one of my favorite things about working out with him was not only just the, the encouragement and the accountability, but about the last 15 minutes of the workout, I would have the privilege of hearing a conference call that he always had to call into. And I felt kind of odd hearing what was going on in their workplace at first, but by the end of our workouts, I, I grew to look I, would look, I was looking forward to it because of one of his, his boss. He, like, you, you'd get on this conference call, and you would have their coworkers just kind of griping and moaning about what's going wrong, and this isn't going right, and they're just, you kind of sound like a little barking dog, like, and they would just complain and constantly, and then his boss would say, okay, stop. And everyone got silent. And I don't know why, but I just loved it. And I would look forward to it every day. And we would be working out. I'd hear them start barking. I'm like, oh, it's coming. I know it's coming. I would just sit there. Almost like I'm, you know, how some of you used to look at the radio when you were, you, you were younger. And then it would come, okay, stop. And instantaneously, everyone would just hush. And immediately... He would begin distributing directions and providing solutions for their problems. Friends, Satan wants to distract us with chaos in the world and chaos even within the church. I mean, did you notice that the devil was in the church? That should concern you. But don't fret. Jesus has the power and the ability to reach anyone. I've got a friend that during this year has mocked me about my faith. I love him. I've been praying for him since the sixth grade. And there have been times this year where I've thought, what's the use? Why am I even still praying for him? We have open spiritual conversations all the time, and unfortunately, every time we have a conversation, it seems as if he leaves that conversation more hardened towards Christ. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Is it a friend? Is it your kid? Is it your parents? Or is it your spouse? 
Jesus comes to encourage you today that no one is beyond his ability to reach. Why? Because he's got the power. He's got the power. The title of today's message is Mr. Universe. Arnold Schwarzenegger won Mr. Olympia seven times. And he became Mr. Universe at the age of 20 years old. There are a lot of good motivational quotes from Arnold Schwarzenegger, a few I can't quote in church. The one my wife least likes is that there are results, and you can have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. But the one that I want to leave us with is one that should remind us of Jesus' power. Arnold always said, failure is not an option. And friends, leave here today amazed at the power of your Savior. Because when it comes to his rule and his reign and who he's going to reach with his saving grace, (laughs) failure is not an option. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. And what I pray is that your word would continue to do its work even as we leave here this morning. As we close our Bibles, may your word not be closed out of our hearts or out of our minds, but rather May it be planted within our souls to take root and bear fruit. As we face situations and circumstances this week, Father, may we be reminded that no one or nothing is beyond your reach, your authority, your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.